Okay, so Adam. Yeah, buddy. The listener can't see this. <laughs> what is it that both of us are doing right now? So we are doing the same motion with that you would do if somebody said, hey, this is a stick up. <laughs> and we are also twiddling our fingers, getting ready for the clap. The hands that we are displaying to each other right now are capable of many great things. <laughs> but there are two primary things that we use them for. Do you know what those are, Adam? Syncing up our clap for audio. Yes, that's number one. And what is number two? Digging with golden shovels. Amen, brother. Let's do this. All right. And three, two, one. Step one complete. <laughs> now give me all your money. <laughs> Adam, are you ready to call this meeting to order? It's a staff meeting long overdue. Let this meeting so be called to order. All right. Well, Adam, a lot has happened since our last staff meeting. That's a fair point. And one of those things is that you have relocated. You've completed your relocation from Miami, Florida to Austin, Texas. Yes, sir. Now, in true Adam fashion, you're not in Austin or Miami right now. (laughs) (laughs) Where where are you? Man, that's so true. I'm in Alexandria, Virginia right now. You'll just haul off and travel on us, won't you? I mean, I, I don't I don't know how else to live life, brother. Instead of calling you Adam from the road or the road work, because that's a position that's already filled, I might just call Correct. you Adam Coast to Coast. <laughs> you know, I was I was known as uh, Mr. International or Mr. Worldwide, but then uh, Pitbull got involved and that all went away. Oh, gosh. God, that guy. All right. Well, speaking of of Austin and your trip from Miami to Austin, your move, one of the things that I asked you at the end of day one, because we recorded a phone call together in the afternoon of day one, I said, hey, this is the last time we're going to talk. Would you mind reporting in with a phone call from New Orleans? And then we'll catch up in the morning as the start of day two. That phone call was not included on that episode because I hadn't realized that you did it. Right. But I have it now. And I'd like to share it with our listeners. Okay. Let's do it. This is you reporting and kind of summarizing what was going on at the end of day one after you and I talked that afternoon. Do it. What's up, Jonathan Lord? It's Lord Saunders, and it's Sally Todd. Coming to you live from New Orleans. En route to Austin, Texas, we have hit our halfway point, and we are stopping for the evening. I've had two near-death experiences. On the road, because people don't know how to drive. Nobody knows how to zipper merge, because they're idiots. Um, but other than that, the trip has been going very well. I've basically snacked um, on my way from Miami to New Orleans. As a, it's a little bit more than halfway. You know, we're going to stop for the evening. But I've snacked the whole way. I have arrived at our new place, and it's amazing. And uh, our, our Airbnb, our, our new stop for the night, it's amazing. And um, we're going to go have some drinks and maybe jump on the hot tub. I'm here with Saul Grinberg, travel companion extraordinaire. We just got back from Vegas, hanging out for 10 days. So super excited. Um, and nothing's going to get me down. There are some minor inconveniences I've been facing, though, and uh, but they have already been captured uh, in a recording medium. So I look forward to uh, my next stop and destination, and I look forward to getting back on the road and getting things going. Yeah, Boy, so there you go. So much happened after that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> right, which which we don't have to get into because it's we talked about it on, on our episode. Yeah, no, let's let's even forget that it happened. But it happened a lot, <laughs> did. <laughs> well, ju- just to say is we, we've discussed all of those things. I just, you know, I, because I'd accidentally left that phone call out, I wanted to make sure we played it. I swear to you, and I, I can't remember if I said this on the recording, when, when you surprised me in Austin, there was a moment where I was like, did I end up in Dallas, and am I at the wrong neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> well, then really the only question you would have to ask is, is my name Luke Umshide? 
<laughs> that is 100% fair. Because if the answer is yes, then the answer to the question, the first question is yes. If the answer is no, then it's not cowboy times and you're probably in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I could be in Austin and it'd be cowboy times. It's Texas. I mean, that's possible, but it, it's highly unlikely because if, if there's going to be a cowboy anywhere in Texas, they're probably not going to be in Austin. That is 100% true. Sure, Adam. I'd love to tell you how I'm doing. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what's on the agenda? <laughs> what is the story with your home reno? We're still in the pre in the pre phase where we're doing the planning and stuff. And and I've I've got to tell you, I'm I'm quite tired of of that part of the project of the part of the project you know, all the work you have to do before the project actually starts. So, but you haven't even done anything. No, there's no work has begun. In fact, no work is going to be done until after Labor Day. So how do you think I feel about that? <laughs> super excited. Yeah, I'm super thrilled that that's the case. Yeah, I can tell. Okay, well, let's begin as we always do. And let's go over our top contributors list. remember correctly there was some hot hot gossip from the last call are you ready to begin yes counting like we normally do from 10 down to one let's begin at the number 10 spot is christopher devos of podcast 42 and the podfix network Good at name. number nine is bob haynes of the cretans guild at number eight is casey jones hmm at the number seven spot is Chris Osborne in the Play Comics podcast. Number six is Jim Weir, the Colonel. And now we get to our top five, Adam. I love top five. In the number five spot, Elimination Paul from the Varmints podcast and Blazing Caribou Studios. Yes. In the number four spot is Luke Umshide. Number three is Tiff Franks. And now we're down to our final two, Adam. Oh, we got to hear what's going on here. Now, there was a massive upset that we discussed at our last meeting in the number two and the number one spot. Correct. And I kind of feel like we're at some sort of beauty pageant because when you list the number two spot, then you've automatically identified the winner. True. So here we go. Number two, Carrie Dykes. Which can only mean one thing, friend. That's correct. It means, once again, we have to raise our glasses, turn to the east, <laughs> and recognize our number one, Keith Gala of the Pop-Up Filmcast and the Podfix Network. I bet he is absolutely thrilled to be back on top of the mountain. Well... He responded the way I think we would expect him to respond, which is he immediately began MVPing all over the place. <laughs> That's right. And didn't stop until he reclaimed his rightful spot. That's correct. But he didn't do it obnoxiously. He just picked back up where he left off. I don't think you can get to be MVP by going about your business in an obnoxious manner. Correct. 100%. So there you go, Adam. Um, we owe Keith a congratulations because he's back in the number one spot, which I'm fairly confident although this usually results in some sort of jinx, that he's going to be there for a while. Yeah, I mean, that and uh, this was a little bit of a different uh, top 10, too. So it was kind of a, a, great, a great top 10. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And, and Bob Haynes has found his way into the top 10. We'll explain why in just a moment. But he may have been in the top 10 before. I think he was, but he's back in the top 10. Yeah. All right, so that's that. Adam, let's move on to new interns. I can't wait for this. I love new interns. And I love the cheese bandit. <laughs> I also love the cheese bandit. Now, a word out to Casey. I don't think that the cheese bandit has responded to our newest intern, but we just have one. And it's Heather Welch, who is the host of the Sunshine and Power Cuts podcast and also hosts a really great online event that she does every year. And it's called the Sunshine Summit. Ooh, what's the Sunshine Summit? Well, it's, it's where she gets together and interviews. I think it's about two weeks of interviews where she interviews other, 
other podcasters, one each day. The theme is uh, connections, connect, you know, connecting with people and a lot of things around that conversation. But let me just say this. Uh, I, I was certainly aware of, of Heather and her podcast, but I've never really, inter- I've not interacted with her uh, in person, uh, you know, or, or in an interview in the format that we did last week. But she is absolutely delightful. Oh, cool. She is just a fantastic, wonderful person. And, and I, I've had the opportunity to do several interviews in my time in podcasting. That was one of the most enjoyable interviews I've ever done. Oh, that's so awesome to hear, man. I love when that happens. Yeah, she's an absolute joy. And I, and I, I don't know if she'll hear this or not, but just in case she does, I just want to say thank you to her for including me in the summit and for doing the interview this year. It's a rare moment of gratitude for you, brother. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> okay. Adam, we don't have birthdays because we talked about them at our last meeting, and we actually won't have them at our next meeting either. We'll do September birthdays, two meetings from this one. Okay, perfect. And actually, that's another meeting where we might be doing that one in person together. I really hope so. I do too. <laughs> All right, well, with that, let's move on to polls. I love polls. The first one was from Luke, and he asked... One of your favorite questions, which is, at what temperature should a high-quality slice of cheesecake be served to you? That is not one of my favorite polls, man. Well, in any case, uh, (laughs) 54.5% of respondents said cold. 30% of respondents... Now, I I originally said cold, and then Chris Birkenbein got involved, and I think you know kind of what happens when he gets involved in something. It instantly so. becomes a lot more scientific and a lot more specific. And I'm glad that he did because he, he added the option of chilled, which is actually correct. And that's what I voted for, along with 30% of the respondents. 9% of the respondents said room temperature. And you and Josh Hallmark responded with only in hell. <laughs> which is kind of like a trick answer because in hell it would be torture. So there's no, there's no enjoyment of that at all. <laughs> right. I understand. Appropriately, no one voted for frozen or warm. Yeah, it was warm cheesecake. <laughs> nobody. nobody. Apparently nobody, according to our poll, which is very official. <laughs> right. All right, our next poll is really just us reporting in the, f- the final official results of the board game elimination poll put on by Elimination Paul, of course. That was a great one. It was. It was a lot of fun. And so, just to make it official, Trivial Pursuit beat out Scrabble in the final round. So, Trivial Pursuit is the official board game of the Gravity Beard Interns. That makes me so happy because I love Bob Haynes. I think it was him who was like, okay, so this group doesn't like any games where you have to think. (laughs) (laughs) I think it might have been Bob that said that. It was either Bob or Chris Bergenbein. So, one of the two of them. In response to the board game elimination poll, Leslie posted something that I thought was really fun. And that is slogans for your favorite board games. Did you happen to catch this? No. This sounds awesome. Okay. So I'm just going to run through these as quickly as possible. So starting with Twister, the slogan is, you think this will end in sex, but it won't. (laughs) It's so true. Hungry, hungry hippos. In a month, you'll have only three marbles left. Also true. The slogan for Risk the game of hiding out in Australia until until the very end. <laughs> That's a good strategy. Uh, Yahtzee, the game of yelling and bookkeeping. <laughs> One of my favorite awesome. board games as a child, Clue, whose slogan is homicide for ages eight and up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Wait, it gets better. The slogan for Battleship, this game could be played with two sheets of paper and a pen. Yeah, that's 100% correct. I actually have never thought about that until I saw that, but obviously that's true. All right, the this isn't a board game, but the slogan for the Slinky, it's a coil. Enjoy that. Another one of my favorites, but wasn't very popular in the poll, that being the board game, The Game of Life. Here's the slogan. 
A fun-filled afternoon of raising kids and buying insurance. <laughs> Not fun. Scrabble, our runner-up. And this is exactly how I feel about Scrabble. How to find out that everybody went to a better school than you. <laughs> I don't know that feeling. <laughs> and our final one. Probably maybe the most well-known board game in all of human history. Monopoly. The slogan is Family Fight Night. <laughs> Man, I really wish Hannah Oshier had called the hotline with her description of like Monopoly because it's, it's a terrible board game and it was sole, its sole purpose was to design to not be fun. Yeah, I actually enjoy Monopoly, but I understand that perspective. Okay, so our group, no matter how much they say that they hate them, can't resist elimination polls. So right on the heels of the board game elimination poll, Bob Haynes launched the sandwich poll. This was a big poll, dude. Well, I would agree. And I think I think it's true to say that all things sandwich has probably been the biggest topic that's come up in the group since we started. That's true. That's a fair point. So Bob took on the very big responsibility of hosting the sandwich elimination poll. Now, we don't have the final results because this poll is still going on. There's only four sandwiches left. And here are those four. The Philly cheesesteak... The grilled cheese, the French dip, and pulled pork. How do you feel about those being the final four in our elimination poll? Terrible. <laughs> well, it looks like French dip could be the next one to go. I didn't check. I mean, I, I, I checked earlier today. I haven't checked more recently than that. But it's it's down to the French dip and Philly cheesesteak for the next one to go, and then we'll have three left. So we'll have to see how that turns out. <laughs> I can't remember who said it, but it was like, are you kidding me? That some cheese between two slices of bread is going to be the top sandwich in the poll. <laughs> I don't either, but one, that wouldn't bother me because it makes me think of childhood and it's delicious. And two, there are very creative ways to make a delicious grilled cheese sandwich. I don't disagree with that, but I feel like there are better sandwiches. I mean, like, I listen, if I had to eat one sandwich for the rest of my life and it was grilled cheese, I, I wouldn't be sad for the very reason that you said. However... Right. There are right. so many, so many good sandwiches. I agree. All right. Well, early on, I gunned for one particular sandwich. Do you remember which one it was? It's got to be the BLT. It was the BLT. And I was very pleased to find out that Luke was on my side. So much so that he started writing his narratives when he's not in favor of a particular choice. And I have one related to the BLT sandwich. Awesome. And here it is. Good evening, Gravity Beards. This is Luke, and this is how I talk, with your historical sandwich facts. BLTs were first invented in the government soup kitchens in the Five Corners area of New York around the turn of the century. They all started to be run by corrupt officials the toppings that we now call a BLT were added to government-supplied cheese in the sandwiches that were provided to the poor. The corrupt officials were trying to skim off the handout program, so they hoarded the cheese, not putting it on any of the sandwiches. The poor, hungry people wouldn't complain because they were getting some kind of food, anything to eat. The cheese was then sold to local kitchens at a discount, though through a gray market system. The profits were then kept by the corrupt officials. The governor in Tammany Hall always looked the other way because he got a cut of the action. At that time, the cheese was the most valuable part of the government subsidy ingredients, and the relatively small numbers added up over time. Thus... The BLT exists because of the rampant exploitation of the poor. The victory for BLTs equals a victory for government corruption. And this has been Luke with your historical sandwich facts. So there you go. <laughs> Our new and probably temporary segment, Luke and his historic sandwich facts. 
You know, I, I really feel that I love when Luke has time to respond to stuff because <laughs> he just he provides so much information about a, a given topic. And it's always informative and always hilarious and always very thorough. So uh, this goes right along with that. I, <laughs> Lucas, I think, is one of my favorite people that I've never actually met and probably won't. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's doing the best he can to meet both of us in person. I just, my confidence is waning that that's ever going to happen. Well, we, we, we are now in a proximity much, much closer. But uh, yeah, I, I love Luke's commentary. The truth is that you and I are in closer proximity to each other. You're actually far, much, much farther from Luke. That's fair, but in the grand scheme of Luke, that I might as well be on the sun. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I tell you, I, I would love to meet Luke in person one day. I don't think that'll ever happen. <laughs> right. That's exactly how I feel about it. All right. Well, we will not have the final results for the sandwich poll next week. We'll have it at the next meeting after that. So I look forward to reporting those. Same. All right, let's move on to some facility updates, Adam. These are so critical, Tov, you know. We have three to share with you today. The first one I think you're going to be a big fan of, and that was provided to us from Keith. And that is the Stranger Things six and a half foot tall Demogorgon yard sprinkler. I, we, we need these so desperately. Yeah, it's been a really hot summer, and so we've bought several and spread them around campus to keep the, uh, the yard fresh but also just for fun and frolic. Yeah, of course. It's, there's nothing more beneficial than a terrifying and yet joyful, useful watering system. There you go. Our second item was also uh, provided by Keith, and that is the chicken swing. There was a while back where we got together and we had a conversation. We started to get involved in backyard poultry. I think you were involved in that, weren't you? Yeah, of course. And so we realized, you know, the one thing that we don't want if we're going to have chickens is uh, we don't want them to be bored. Right. So I think it was you, actually, uh, that said, hey, what if we got them swings? And then Keith went to work and did some research and came up with the best possibility, the best possible option for the chicken swing. And so we've, we've got those around campus as well. We are no longer at risk of having bored chickens. Right. Super, super critical improvement. Now, our next item is also critically important. That was brought to us by Jim. And that's the remote-controlled alligator. <laughs> I love this one. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where you, you didn't know that you need it until you have it. But Jim Correct. has strategically placed these around the koi pond in the back meadow uh, to keep out interlopers. Yeah. Yeah. Interlopers are a huge problem. Yeah. And, and I didn't even know that until Jim pointed it out. I was like, wow, you're, you're right. We've got a lot of interlopers. And now, guess what? We don't have a single interloper. Nope, we are interloper free. So thanks, Jim. That's correct. Yep, so thank you, Jim. Okay, well, let's move on to some dress code additions. Oh, also critical. We only have one this week, and it was brought to us by Corey McCord. And that is the t-shirt for the Avid Endorsement. And let me just describe this Uh item, Adam. It has a picture of a bear holding a mug of frosty beer and simply reads, Go outside... Worst case scenario, a bear kills you. <laughs> Which is why you don't go outside. Exactly. It's not just a, a comfortable dress code item. It's also a warning device. And I'll be wearing this t-shirt around campus on uh, at least on the beginning and end of the week. Yeah, and I'll wear it the uh, middle three days. <laughs> yeah, j- just until the message is adequately spread, and then I'll probably wear it less frequently. Yeah, you can go back to your Young Life shirt. Right. All right, Adam, it's time to make people aware of some upcoming team building activities. These are my favorite. JL Tros of Podcast 42 has come up with another terrific idea. Mm. And that is office chair racing. This is a long standing tradition. Yes, it is. Now, we've never incorporated it into our team building activities, so we're excited to do so now. And we're not going to get into all the details. Just know that you can search team building for a video and more details on our upcoming office chair racing. Yeah. And and, and that one's going to have a couple of variants like um, fire extinguisher propulsion, things like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So just look for that video or maybe reach out to JL and he'll give you some additional details. 
Now I'm excited to announce, Adam, something we've never done before. So here we are with our fingers wrapped around our golden shovels. We're breaking ground once again, and we're going to host a workshop. Mm. It's going to occur this Friday in the South Quad. It's hosted by Keith. It's not hosted by Keith. It's actually, it was set up by Keith. And this is how to play a rock and roll accordion. It's going to be hosted by famed grunge accordion player Palmer Hughes. Oh, really? We were able to secure that? Yeah. Can you believe it? Wow. I thought he was on tour in Europe right now. Uh, He was. He's actually making a a special trip back to the States just for our workshop. Yes. This is big, guys. We need to make sure we have a good turnout for this. Yeah. Well, and here's the most important thing. If you don't think that you can play rock and roll accordion, grunge accordion, just know that for this workshop, players of all experience levels are welcome. Yeah, and that was a key thing, part of the reason why this is such a big thing, because it's not just experienced grunge rock and roll accordion players. It was, you know, it had entry level, expert level, all kinds of stuff. Now, I think I'm pretty sure Keith is expert level, which is why he was able to secure the uh, the talent. But yeah, I mean, everybody is welcome. Well, the great thing about Palmer Hughes, most people don't know this. They think he's a very aloof and uh, they're very intimidated by him. But actually, he specifically reached out to us, and he was the one that said, hey, go ahead and extend this to all the way to beginners. If they've never picked up uh, and plugged in a, a an accordion and, c- and connected it to a, a um, to a distortion pedal or anything like that, those those w- we want them just as much as we want the players like Keith who have been there for a long time. Well, I think he really understands the importance of investing into the new generation of you know grunge accordion players. So this is going to be great. That's exactly right. Yep. Uh, and one more thing, the uh, workshop is sponsored by Alfred's Music. So thank you, Alfred's Music. Oh, thanks, Alfred's. That's very nice. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk now about our additions to the intern library. These are fantastic. So this week's book of the week is from Keith, and it's called How to Fall Asleep and Meet New People at Subconscious Parties. I wonder if that was the sequel to the Shared Consciousness Parties, because that was a great book. Yeah, it really was. And maybe it is. I'm, I'm not sure. I forgot to look and see if the authors were the same. Now, here's some other selections. Keith uh, had some Summer Spotlight series, and this one is on dating and relationships. There are three titles in this category. The first one, Ellen Peck's How to Get a Teenage Boy and What to Do with Him When You Get Him. The <laughs> forward was written by the recently deceased Jeffrey Epstein. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. <laughs> I, I don't think he's getting an apartment, Toph. No, I, I don't even think he's, he's going to get consideration. So I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry. Sorry that that's the case. But I think everyone will understand. You know, I think we ought to create a new segment called A Special Place in Hell. And, 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 and maybe start offering some considerations for that system. Wow. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, Adam, we have a firm grasp on our golden shovels. We're prepared to break new ground at any moment. That's what's happening. Listeners, you're you're witnessing that happening right this very moment. Adam, that was a terrific idea. I want to extend this idea out to the listeners and the, to the members of the Gravity Beard interns. Let's start nominating people for our, for our new segment, A Special Place in Hell. Okay, uh, since we're here, I'd like to formally nominate uh, Mr. Epstein for a special place in hell as okay. our first candidate. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I don't know if we'll get to an expanded discussion to consider your nomination, but just know that that may be coming at a future meeting. <laughs> at least it's on the table for consideration. Yeah, it very much is. And I want to I want to actually uh, just flag Tiff and just say, hey, Tiff, as our archivist and historian, go ahead and start keeping records on on who, who our candidates are for a special place in hell. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and get the spreadsheet set up and get the get Mr. Epstein on there and we'll we'll start building it from there. Well, and I think we ought to go ahead and start, you know, building a nominations list. But I mean I think that as a as a I mean, boy, what a great first candidate. Well, I think I think the nominations list will build the same way the other one does, is is someone will die and then they'll get posted in the group and then they'll end up on the list. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm, oh, I'm excited to oh. see this develop. I'm so, I, I, I just love how much new ground we break. 
it's at a breakneck pace, is it not? <laughs> There's no other pace that we maintain. That's right. Full speed, baby. Full speed. <laughs> we, baby. We. All right. Well, I've got two more selections in the Summer Spotlight series on dating and relationships. Here's number two. How to tell if your boyfriend is the Antichrist. And if he is, <laughs> should you break up with him? That's by Patricia Carlin. And then mm. our third and last selection in this uh, Spotlight series is Dating for Under a Dollar, 301 Ideas by Blair Tallman. That was a great book growing up. Yeah, it really was. And then Keith um, offered it. We've got a new farming section in the library, so he's got two titles under under that heading. First, Goblin Proofing Your Chicken Coop and Other Practical <laughs> Advice in Our Campaign Against the Fairy Kingdom by Reginald Bakley, forward by Clint Marsh. And then another uh, book under the farming heading, simply titled Farming with Dynamite, which is a fantastic book. That I think that was a compendium to Fishing with Dynamite. I'm, I'm not sure, though. It might have just been like a thing, but I'm pretty sure it was a compendium. There, and there was also Ranching with Dynamite, so it, that's actually a series also. <laughs> so, so look out for those, of course. <laughs> ranching with Dynamite. Oh, I love that series. Yeah, that's great. The, the Dynamite series? The d- <laughs> it's Dynamite. <laughs> it's Dynamite, man. It's, a, it's explosive. <laughs> it's an explosive series of reading, if you're if Dude, you're up for it. It's totally in my face. <laughs> it is so in your face. All right, and here's something that we just started doing, and this is hosted by Casey Jones. Thank you, Casey. And this is a bookmobile exclusive. And that means that title can only be found on the bookmobile if you can find the bookmobile. This week's bookmobile exclusive is a popular spy novel. It's titled, Let's Poke Them in the Butthole with Our Guns. <laughs> I, You know, this one might be in Luke's private collection, which is in a lockbox under the front seat. Yeah, perhaps. But if you can happen to locate the bookmobile and you can request that title from Luke, he will hand it over for for you to check out. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's a that. I mean, exclusive is is probably an understatement. That's right. And speaking of the bookmobile, uh, as always, look out for Luke and the bookmobile. It should be coming through your neighborhood very soon. Yes, Adam. It's time for Eye on Health. Ah, this is a new and glorious segment. Yep. Our one story in this edition of Ion Health came to us from Keith. Let me just bring this to you. This is a little bit shocking. Doctors remove 526 tooth-like structures from a seven-year-old boy's mouth. Oh, man, that picture made me want to void my lunch. So here's the story. The boy's parents brought him to the hospital because they feared a swelling of their son's jaw might, might have been cancer. And surgeons found a well-defined bag-like mass in his jaw and removed it during surgery. Like the heading of the article said, the bag revealed 526 tooth-like structures. It took the doctors five hours to remove all the minute teeth from the bag, and the teeth varied from one millimeter to 15 millimeters in size, each resembling a tooth with a crown covered with enamel and a root-like structure. So these were actual teeth. Oh my god, it's disgusting. Yeah, so there you go. There's our story in Eye on Health. Oh god. That's that's a horrible, horrible story on Eye on Health today. <laughs> it really is. I apologize, but I don't. <laughs> Adam, why don't we take a quick break to hear from our, one of our new promotional partners? I'm always a fan of expanding to our new promotional partners. More platinum level content? Right after this. This week's episode is brought to you by Flute Fries, the fries of the future. Ever wanted to play a little tune whilst eating your lunch? Our regular fries just not cutting it for you. Well then, upsize with our patented Flute Fries. We use only the highest quality potato flute hybrids for our fries, picked straight from the labs at MacGuffin Industries. Play hits such as Mary Had a Little Lamb and Ode to Joy with a side of ketchup squares. Impress your friends with your new musical skills at your local talent show, symposium, or beatnik cafe. Blue fries. 
the potato abilities are limitless. Now available where all potato flute fruits are sold. Boy, I tell you what, you know, I've been looking for something to both play and play on at my local beatnik cafe. So yeah. So this is really good news. For sure. Well, and, and I, I, I'm not going to pick up flute fries just yet. I'm going to wait until I've mastered uh, grunge accordion with Palmer Hughes, and then I'm going to immediately move on to flute fries. Yeah. No, I'm just really glad that since they're our promotional partner, we get like a sample if we want. And so this is, oh, yeah. is going to be great. I agree. All right, well, welcome back. For more information about Flute Fries, feel free to check out We're With You. It's another terrific podcast from the Podfix Network. It can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, Adam, how about a little bit of science? Oh, man, I hope that the uh, committee is involved. Of course they are. And this actually kind of blends science, uh, travel, and entertainment, if you don't mind. Oh, and food. Ooh. Oh, man, all my favorite things. Yeah, so this this story could have fallen under a number of different headings, but we're going to talk about it under science. It was, again, brought to us by Casey Jones. Here's this announcement. Bud Light is offering free beer to any alien that makes it out of Area 51. Oh, I think that's a pretty good offer. Yeah. So Anheuser-Busch, the maker of Bud Light, initially posted on Twitter, we'd like to be the first brand to formally announce that we will not be sponsoring the Area 51 raid. However, (laughs) the brand quickly backtracked off that position with a second tweet saying, screw it, free Bud Light to any alien that makes it out. (laughs) The only appropriate follow-up. Yeah, that's very Bud Light, and I applaud them for that. Agreed. Then they immediately took it to the next level by making a label for its Area 51 Special Edition Bud Light. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So they went from not supporting it at all to fully supporting it to making a custom label to commemorate the event. I feel like that's how you adapt to the culture, man. <laughs> Boy, is it. In very quick order. Okay, let's move on to food, Adam. Okay. Keith brings us this headline. French's launches mustard ice cream to celebrate National Mustard Day. What is your response to that? I think they need to stop doing like the mayonnaise and mustard flavored ice creams. Boy, do they. That sounds disgusting and I want no part of that. And I like mustard, but like, what the dude? Yeah, I definitely don't want mustard ice cream. There is no way. No, no. I think that's well said. Perfectly put. (laughs) all you need all right andrea blucas brings our second heading research shows that eating chocolate cake for breakfast is good for the brain and the waistline what do you think about that i don't care if it's true or not i choose to believe it (laughs) well this is according to a study that took place at syracuse university so it must be true to prove these findings scientists reviewed 968 participants from ages 23 to 98 they reported an increase in cognitive performance, uh, it boosted abstract thinking and memory. But that's not all. A different Uh study at Tel Aviv University also studied the effects of chocolate. They concluded that eating chocolate cake for breakfast can help a person be more productive at work. Adam, you might be saying, well, what's the explanation behind this? I am. What's the explanation behind this? I'm glad you asked. Since the body converts energy and food very efficiently in the morning, it's less likely for the cake to end up in the waistline. And I bet you're happier. So you're more likely to like, you know, be in a good mood to remember stuff. Yeah. So it has all those benefits, but doesn't end up on the waistline. So there you go. So apparently eating chocolate cake for breakfast is good for the brain and the waistline. I'm with it. Adam, how about a travel note? I'm good at travel. You are. In fact, you're traveling as we speak. In this very second. Keith brings us this story. Super Nintendo World is coming to Universal Orlando Theme Park. And I just moved. (laughs) Anyway, here's some details. The plan is for it to be the biggest feature of a brand new park called Universal's Epic Universe. One report said it will open with at least three rides. The Mario Kart ride, Donkey Kong's Minecart Badness, 
Roller Coaster, and Yoshi's Adventure. Wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I guess they had to compete with Star Wars World at Disney. I would like to go to both, if possible. Agreed. All right, Adam, here's a brief note on sports. Oh, okay. And this is less of a story and more of just an advisory. Mm -hmm. The college football season starts up at the end of this month. And to get you ready, I would like to announce a special episode that we are releasing on August 23rd. Uh, An interview I did with Craig Jr. Miller from Sports Radio 1310 The Ticket, which is the local sports talk radio station here in Dallas. This is where we discuss our radical plan for how to fix college football. That sounds like a bold, bold undertaking. It is, and I can report without giving anything away, I think we fixed it. I can't wait to hear that, actually. Yeah, so look for it in the feed on August 23rd. Adam, it's time for another installment of a relatively new segment, Into the Wild. Ah, interesting. Now, if you're into animals... Um, that's what this segment is about. But you should also check out Varmints. That is a fantastic podcast from Blazing Caribou Studios, and it's hosted by our very own Elimination Paul and Donna Hume. And here's this week's story. It's brought to us from Casey Jones. A Florida man was minding his own business, bathing nude on his patio, when suddenly a seagull swooped down from the sky and with one bite of his beak ripped away the right testicle. Oh, damn it. Now, not surprisingly, the man woke screaming in agony and saw the bird flying away with one of his, well, you know. The man was taken to the hospital where he was patched up. He should be better in a few weeks. Now, the good news is the injury is not life-threatening, and tests have confirmed that his remaining testicle is still in working order, so he'll still be able to have children. Okay. But... After only being half a man, do you really want to raise a child being that way? (laughs) I don't know. I guess he'll have to make that decision. Now, I will say that the reason this may have happened is that experts speculate that the bird mistook the man's exposed privates as a couple of bird eggs (laughs) and dropped in for a tasty snack. (laughs) I wonder if the bird was like, oh, man, damn it. I wanted a tasty snack. This is a man's testicle. (laughs) you think it was a a damn it moment for the seagull it had to have been because like probably nobody would you know no animal would choose to to munch on a on a on a satchel of of nuts no animal would do that not a human satchel fair enough well if anything i want this to be a cautionary tale to our listeners yeah you know because you know there's there unfortunately in this day and age you can't just innocently you know nude sunbathe and nap on your balcony yeah on your own balcony which if anything you should be able to do that and if you choose i mean i thought this was america exactly all right adam i am prepared now to introduce another new segment what and this one is called police beat ooh and I'm gonna—I'm the one that is bringing this story for this week's installment of Police Beat. It comes with the headline: "Florida man attacks wife's lover with scissors and flees with his penis." Oh, okay. Wait. Uh, please read that again because I need to make sure I understand the sentence of words that you just put together. Florida man, which is something we're very familiar with. Uh huh. Florida man attacks wife's lover with scissors and flees with his penis. See, because for a second there, I wasn't sure if you were talking about the first person, like the, the assailant was attacking with his own penis or if he was taking the, the lover's penis. I just want to make sure I understood. Now I understand that it's the lover. It was, yeah, it was the latter. So here are the details. The Gilcrest County Sheriff's Office arrested Alex Benina. I'm sorry, Bonilla, age 49 on Sunday, He is accused of breaking into the victim's house, holding him at gunpoint, and tying him up before mutilating him. The unnamed victim was transported to a hospital Sunday and is in stable condition. He told deputies that Bonilla fled the scene with his severed penis. Bonilla was arrested a couple of hours later. They did not specify whether the victim's penis was recovered. 
I mean, I don't really know if he's in stable condition to think his balance might be thrown off. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, wasn't that a sneak attack? <laughs> yeah, I just feel like, you know, the, the any 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 violent crime that involves a, a penis attack is just kind of really unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. Well, speaking of Florida man, this is something we've done before and we're going to continue to do as long as he keeps calling in. How about another installment from our very own Florida man? Yes, Queen. Hey, uh, uh, this call might be recorded. I'm, I'm calling from jail again. Oh, no. Oh, by, by the way, this is Florida man and this is my voice sound to your ears. <laughs> uh, you're probably wondering why I'm in jail this time. Definitely. Well, like I mentioned last time, I was hanging out at the McDonald's waiting for one of y'all pretty ladies to hit me up because, man, I've been lonely since Becky left me. Well, I was adding a little bit of kick, if you know what I mean, to the sodas that I was drinking sitting around that they have there. Well, it got the better of me. And... So I started to dance. I could feel the music they was playing. They played little John Mayer, and I, I, I got the groove. I couldn't help it. Everyone seemed <laughs> to love it at first, so I took my clothes off. That's just what you do. Oh, dear. And then I looked oh, over, and I saw the most beautiful railing out front. Man, that was a pretty railing. And so since I was already naked, I went and started to try to have relations with it. It's so pretty. Anyway, it wasn't anything weird or anything. But I guess McDonald's didn't like it. Man, you should have seen that railing. All the right curves in all the right places, if you know what I mean. I don't. Anyway, send me some of that big old money y'all get from this podcast job y'all got. Hook a brother up. I want some Oreos. The canteen ran out of the Reese's Pieces. But, hey, Oreos is good enough. Okay, well, time's up. They say, Dunzo, done for now, Dunskis, whatever you're supposed to say, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're, I'm not going to put money into the commissary. It just proves, you know, it promotes bad behavior. So, Florida oh, man, no. I'm not, I'm not contributing to the commissary. Man, Florida man is in rougher shape than ever. Yeah, back in jail, not doing too good. Damn it. Well, I know he was, he was briefly upset about his breakup with Becky, but then he was excited because yeah. he was single and ready to mingle. But now it sounds right. like he's taking the breakup really, really badly. Yeah, I feel like he's making some poor life choices. <laughs> yes, Florida Man is making some really poor life choices. I agree. All right, well, um, man, Florida Man, keep calling in. Best of luck to you. Yeah. I, I hope things, for your sake and for the sake of those around you, turn around soon. Yeah, poor Florida Man. Love you, buddy. But, uh, you know, stay out of jail. Yeah, seriously. I, I do like when he calls in from jail, though. That's, i got to be honest. Yeah, I do, I do as well. All right, Adam, I think this is a good opportunity to turn our attention to the world of entertainment. Ooh. Adam, Christophos brought us something kind of fun, and that is, mm-hmm. how would you like to know the top five... Highest grossing films of all time. I would love to. Now, the reason this is news is because a new movie has taken over the number one spot, and we'll get to that in just a moment. I think I can guess the top three. Oh, really? All right. Well, then let me just tell you number five and number four. And the number five spot is Avengers Infinity War, which came out in 2018. That has made $2 billion, Adam. Jeez. Then in the number four spot is Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, the 2015 film. That made also $2 billion, but a slightly more than Infinity War. And now, because you said you could, what's in the number three spot? Uh, I'm going to guess Titanic. That is correct. The 1997 film Titanic, which has made just under $2.2 B billion. Gee, that's insane. And then number two, Adam? I'm going to go with uh, James Cameron's Avatar. Again, you're correct. The 2009 yes. film Avatar 
That has made a hair under 2.8 billion. That is insane money. And then I think that gives away the number one, but go ahead and tell us the number one top grossing film of all time. Gotta be Avengers Endgame. It most certainly is. The recently released Endgame, that has also made just a hair more than Avatar. It has made $2.79 billion. I just, I can't even fathom that kind of cash. I don't know if you noticed this, but the Avengers series has two of the top five. It also has four of the top ten top grossing films of all time. Jeez. All right, Adam, it's time for us to discuss this week's candidates for our three-room apartment. Now, this is not a special place in hell. No, that, that is coming up in future weeks if it, if it catches... <laughs> If it catches some momentum, and I very much hope that it does. So you mean we don't have any we don't have any like candidates for this brand new segment which we put off the dome in this episode? <laughs> well, we do have candidates. We're just not going to discuss them. I think the okay. <laughs> the candidate, of course, that inspired the entire idea was the recently deceased Jeffrey Epstein. Right, he might be the chair and founding member. <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do, Adam. We're going to discuss two candidates this week and two candidates at next week's meeting. Okay. So here we go. Our first nomination comes from Paul. And Paul beat out Corey and Christophos on this one. So our first candidate is Beth Chapman. And sadly, back in June, the wife of reality star Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman lost her battle with throat and lung cancer. Chapman was 51. Now, I don't have a lot to say about Beth Chapman. I haven't seen a single episode of that show. And I'm not even sure if Dog himself would get into an apartment. What are your thoughts about this candidate? Yeah, tragic loss. No apartment. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, Beth Chapman. You will not kick off our 11th three-room apartment. And here is our next candidate. He was nominated by Chris DeVos. Max Wright, who played Willie Tanner, the father figure to an alien in TV's ALF, has died at age 75. And here is his resume. Besides his most notable role in ALF, he appeared in television shows like the short-lived comedy Buffalo Bill, Cheers, Misfits of Science, and a recurring role in Norm. Wright played Terry, the manager of Central Perk, in two seasons of... I don't think it was... Yeah, in two seasons of Friends. His film credits include All That Jazz, Reds, The Sting 2, Soul Man, and The Shadow. In my opinion, no way he gets in if it's up to me. Plus, this is uh, also notable, he only got 8% of the vote in the intern's choice poll. Adam, what do you think about Max Wright? So I don't want to underplay the amount of things that he's done, because he has done a lot, but... Right. I think overall, if your most notable experience is Alf, then probably not. And I loved Alf, but... I also loved Alf. No, I think it's a no. Yeah. Unfortunately, I agree. Again, very sad about his passing, but he will not be the first to move into our 11th apartment. So unfortunately, that makes us uh, 0 for 2 on this attempt, but we will discuss two more candidates, like I said, at next week's meeting. Yeah, so... We have 30 people currently in apartments. That's not including the ones that did not get in. So a lot of celebrities have died. (laughs) Yeah, that's correct. All right, Adam, how about we finish up this meeting with some hotline messages? These are the best, man. And here, Adam, is our first message. Hey, what's up, Chris? Hello, Adam. I'm Gravity Vision Interns. This is Keith, Papa Filmcast. This is how I talk. Hashtag MVP. Yeah, buddy. I'm uh, calling with another micro movie review. Um, kind of hard to do a micro movie review of a movie that's almost three hours long, but I recently saw Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh, although I, I, I love some Quentin Tarantino and everything, it is... Uh, Let's say you came to a fork in the road uh, in your story, and one version said, hey, here's the A to B. I can tell you the story, and it's like going to take about a mile to tell the story. 
Or, hey, here's A to B, but it's going to take 10 miles to tell the story. Well, he takes the 10-mile route, and maybe even a side trip or two from there. Uh, not my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. That would be uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 slash Volume 2. Yeah, but it's not my least favorite. It's probably Hateful Eights, but it's uh, it's somewhere right in the middle. It's it's fun to see what he does, but at the same time, it is very long for what uh, eventually, I guess, the story uh, really is, is all about. So, anyway, uh, that's as micro as I could do for a, a movie like that. Sounds good. Oh, that's a very informative review. It really was. And decently micro. Yeah, very micro. Well, and let me first of all, thank you, Keith, for calling in. Um, we appreciate you doing that service for us. And it is a service because you and I originally called for some micro movie reviews because, because of our respective situations, we don't have time to go see a lot of movies. And so Correct. we asked the interns, <clears throat> when you guys go see movies, if you wouldn't mind calling in with a quick review, because we're not going to get to see those films more than likely. That's right. And I've actually heard uh, other similar things to what Keith said, is that, um, one, the movie actually wasn't nearly as good as people hoped, two, is extremely long, and three, it basically didn't have a story. Yeah, that's a good summation. All right, great. Well, Adam, how about our next message? And here's our next message. Good evening, Gravity Beards. Ooh, I yes, this is Bane. And this is how I talk. I was having a, a lovely, lovely evening watching those cartoon movies with my granddaughter, Lucifina, when I started thinking of the Batman and his ridiculous get-up. Hmm. I mean, come on. Was his mother a dominatrix and his father loving to dress up like cute little fuzzy bats? <laughs> no, no. I, I think the Batman is better served by going to another career. Maybe that <laughs> underwear-clad pansy should go back to singing Let It Go for the Alzheimer's patients at the senior center. <laughs> I'm sure my granddaughter, Lucifina, can teach him the lines. Until then, this is Bane. Not even worried about the Batman. Wow. We haven't heard from him Damn. in a while. That's a call out right there, bro. Oh, yeah. He's come back with guns a blazing. So I don't see how yeah. Batman has any choice but to respond. Yeah. Shots across the bow. Batman, you got to respond, bro. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, Bane, thank you for. Um, thank you. For, it's great to hear from you. So we appreciate the call back in. Is it. Safe to say that Bane might be the official supervillain of our show? You know, it is really possible. Yeah. Now, I, I would say this. In case there's other supervillains out there that would like to call in and compete for that designation, by all means do so. Yeah, we, we've proven that anyone can maintain the top spot. So, Yeah, so, I mean, don't don't let Bane just automatically take that distinction. I mean... I think a little competition is good for people. Yeah, I agree. It's like a free market of supervillains. Yeah, exactly. So I, I look forward to hearing from other supervillains. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Adam. Well, we have just one more message left. Oh, hopefully it's a good one. And here is our last message. Brother Toph! Brother Adam! Yes. What's happening, y'all? It's Peter the Vilbis! Woo! Yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, yes. It's going down, baby. Just called to let y'all know something, man. I don't know if you realize this, but it is the month of the Vilbis. You understand me? The, the month of August is the month of the Vilbis because it is my birthday in August. <gasps> nope. Not giving you the actual day. Dang it. <laughs> Oh. How old am I going to be? Nope. Not giving you the actual age. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and what's the big idea? Uh, uh, you know, last month, you guys trying to freaking guess my age. Was it last month or two months ago? Uh, all right. It was, I think it was last month. You was trying to guess my freaking age. All right. 
You're the kind of people, all right, <laughs> that want to pull the mask off of Spider-Man out of curiosity, but you don't realize once you take off the mask, he can't fight no more crime, man. <laughs> all right? And that would be a crime, all right? So I can't give you the age. I can't give you the freaking day because, you know, you got hackers out there. You know what I'm saying? But rest assured, the truth, it is my birthday this month. I celebrate all month. You know what I'm saying? So wish me a happy birthday. All right? I'll give you a hint how old I am, though. Many years ago, when I was when I was out there selling newspapers as a young boy, <laughs> some thugs <laughs> stole my papers, and I freaking cried, man. And a lady, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She said, what's wrong, little boy? <laughs> I said, they stole my papers, man. She said, oh. And she freaking gave me the money for all my papers. All right? Wow. And she said, what do you want to be when you grow up, boy? <laughs> I said, I want to be president, <laughs> man. She said, she said, <laughs> well, she says, in five years, I'm going to sing to you on TV. All right? That woman was Marilyn Monroe. And you know what she said to me? She said, I'm going to sing to you on TV, Mr. President. All right? So when you saw her <laughs> singing to John F. Kennedy, that time in 1962 on the TV, she wasn't singing to John F. Kennedy. She was singing to me. She said, happy birthday, Mr. President. That was to me, Mr. President, all right? <laughs> That's it, y'all. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's, you know, there's so much in that message. I, I, I wanted to, like, chime in and laugh and stuff, but really I just have, like, this stupid didn't grin on my face. And I, I, I'm just hanging on to every word like I haven't eaten and Peter DeVilbas holds the food. You know, and then when he said that thing about Marilyn Monroe, I'm like, man, there's... I... I uh, there's a good chance that's true. It could no be way. him, you know? No, I mean, no, no, no. You realize that would put him in his early 60s? Yes, dude. This is Peter DeVilbus we're talking about. He is a timeless immortal. We know that. Okay. Well, you guessed he was in his mid thirties. Do you think you were off by thirty years? I think with Peter DeVilbus, we have to consider all options. Gosh, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine he's in his early sixties. Maybe you're underestimating the power of Peter DeVilbus, Chris. No, I, I'm certain I'm not. I'm just, I'm, I'm just. I, boy, wait, I hate I, to respond I, to that message by saying I'm not buying your story, but I, I might not be buying that story. Oh man, you as it relates to him claiming what his age is. I, Chris, I, I think you f***ed up here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I would like to point out that one of my favorite things on the uh, on the episode with me, you and Greg. He was like, "You're the best four podcasters ever." <laughs> <laughs> and his ultimate disdain for water for chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Listen, I have a statement to make, a brief thing to say, and then I have a, a question, then we'll move on. My statement is, happy birthday, Peter DeVilbus. Yeah, happy birthday, Peter DeVilbus. Uh, I think that, I don't think he understands the amount of joy he brings into the hearts of our group. Yeah, I, I hope I hope that he he knows that it's not just, it's not just words. Like, we really mean that sincerely. Yeah, I mean, when you, I, and that's why I shut up whenever he started his message because I wanted to make sure I got the full woo effect, and it was amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you, I mean you, when, when he, you, when he, when we hit play on his messages, we just stand aside and let him hold court. There are very, very few people in this world that make me just want to silence myself and not chime in so that I can hear what this person has to say. And I tell you what. If Peter DeVilbus ever ran for president, he has my vote. Peter DeVilbus 2020. <laughs> well, especially if you follow him on Twitter, then you're definitely ready to vote for him. That's right. He's amazing. All right. Well, and so that was my statement. And then my question is, I mean, he's made it clear he doesn't want us to keep guessing his age. So I'm not going to say, Peter, how old are you? 
um, so my only question is, including this year, how many Peter DeVilbus months have you celebrated? That's all I'm going to say. Maybe maybe you didn't uh, hear his. How many how many times have you celebrated Peter DeVilbus month? Maybe a little uh, more than sixty. <laughs> it has not been more than sixty. Dude, Marilyn Monroe, bro. He said it. Why would you okay. have any reason to doubt Peter DeVilbus? <laughs> All right, fair enough. That, that's it. That, I'm just a statement and then a question, and then I'll leave it at that. We'll move on. <laughs> but but regardless of all of that, whether you tell us or not, Peter, we love you, and we very much appreciate you listening to the show and, of course, contributing because you do it in a big way. Yeah, and happy birthday, man. We yeah, if happy birthday. We do to enhance your birthday spirit, please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Adam. Well, we have no further ado. Oh, come on, man. Are you sure? I'm 100% positive, unfortunately. And so that Uh. means this is the conclusion of this week's staff meeting. So if you'll allow me some brief credits before we go. The content of these meetings is generated almost entirely by our talented team of interns. If you'd like to contribute to the show, we'd love to have you join the team. Just search Gravity Beard Interns on Facebook. And that's where we have various serious conversations about the dumbest things ever. You can also call us on the hotline if you like. That number is 321-465-2180. If you enjoyed the show, please tell another human about it. Gravity Beard is a proud member of the Podfix Network. To find other great shows consistently creating platinum-level content, go right now to podfixnetwork.com or search at Podfix on Twitter. Our theme song is Walking the Dog. This catchy little tune is Above and Beyond. Both are by Silent Partner and can be found on the YouTube audio library. For my dear friend and co-host, Lord Saunders, I'm your other co-host, Toph. This meeting is adjourned. Peace. Here's another uh, mishap for recording. In an effort to turn off my AC, I turned it up to 72 degrees Fahrenheit. And instead of just turning off, because it was already at that temperature, it has now turned the heat on. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta be honest, not my best night. (laughs) You can't just turn it off? Um, Like just turn it off? Yeah, let's try that. You're listening to live coverage of Adam trying to correctly adjust his thermostat for proper recording conditions. You and your you and your dumb ideas. Really? So, what was the result of you um, of you taking my suggestion? Nothing. It's worse than it was before. That's weird because I don't hear an air conditioning. You, the connection must have cleared up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>